Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Exodus, chapter 22. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. We got radio and TV and CDs and DVDs and Bible teaching and cable and the gospel network and word television and TVN and you get the point. And we got all these Bibles. They got a Bible for everyone. I mean, women's Bible, morning women's devotional, afternoon women's devotional. Just came from the mall women's devotional. Evening devotional for women. They got the men's Bible, the brother ballhead men's Bible. I have that one. They got all kinds. Yeah, they got all kinds of Bibles. I mean, we have, you get the point. They have so much information. We've got so much teaching. We have gotten so much knowledge. Listen, with knowledge comes responsibility. And you need to know that. And so learning the scriptures And getting all this knowledge and not doing anything with it, that's why the Bible tells us to be ye doers of the word and not just what? Somebody help me. Thank you. Not hearers only. Because that's a problem. Hearers only. You're just storing up knowledge. With knowledge comes responsibility. With light comes responsibility, and that's what we can learn. Look at verse 5 and 6 in your Bibles. If somebody lets their ox loose in your field, and the ox eats up all your best fruit, you shall make full restitution from the best of your crop. And notice, no excuses. (laughs) You shall make full restitution from the best of your field and the best of his own vineyard. This is a law, no excuses. God is setting the standard, setting things up, no excuses. We live in a culture that's full of excuses. Everybody's got a reason for why they did what they did. <laughs> no excuses. You know, I was thinking about <laughs> what my mom used to say about excuses. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I can't even say that right now. <laughs> it's not that bad. I'm just saying it. Just, uh, no, well, whatever. Hey, hey, listen to this. No, I'm not going to. All the guys are going, yeah, man, tell us, tell us. Not, no, no. But listen to this. Here are some, re- talk about excuses. Here are some real excuses. These are real excuses made by motorists who were trying to explain why they had been involved in accidents. Listen to this. The other car, one motorist said, the other car collided with mine without giving warning of its intentions. A pedestrian hit me and went under my car. (laughs) 
Here's another one. Listen, I pulled away from the side of the road, glanced at my mother-in-law, and headed over the embankment. <laughs> Listen, the pedestrian had no idea which direction to run, so I ran over him. <laughs> Listen, I got I to gotta move on, but here's the point. Look, take responsibility for your actions. Amen, saints. Take responsibility. Look at verse 6. I got to move on. I got a lot to cover. If you start a fire in verse 6 and the fire sets ablaze someone's field, take responsibility. The fire sets someone's field ablaze. You know, I want to talk about the tongue. I'll say that for next week. We'll talk about that. Matter of fact, chapter 23, we're going to talk about gossip. And we'll talk about the tongue. We'll talk more. Maybe we'll come back to verse 6. Notice in verse 7 and 8. So if your neighbor has something of yours and it's stolen out of his house and you find the thief, the thief shall pay double. But if the thief is not found and the master of the house is to be taken to the judges to find out if there's kind of some kind of conspiracy going on. Verse 7 and 8. Maybe the master of the house faked the theft to keep the neighbor's stuff. You don't know. But notice both parties was to go before the judges and the judges are to determine who is right. And again, those judges are spiritual leadership. You might want to put in the margin of your Bible if you're a note taker there. First Corinthians chapter six in verse one. And then in verses nine through 15. So if you're going on vacation, look at verse nine through 15. Here's a summation. If you're going on vacation, someone needs to take care of your, give me your attention. Someone needs to take care of your ox and your donkey, and you ask the neighbor to keep it. And if while you're gone, if your animal gets sick or dies, or another animal gets to it and tears it apart or it's stolen, you get back and your friend swears that he had nothing to do with it, it was beyond his control, then you're to accept that. Because you took the animal there in the first place because he was your friend. But if he is careless and it's stolen, that's different and he shall make full restitution. Now notice in verse 13, if your friend says, well, while you were gone, an animal came and tore it to pieces. Then in verse 13, are you looking at it? Then you should say, really? Show me a leg. Show me a piece of that animal. If you borrow something from your neighbor and it dies while in your possession, you're to make it right. See, showing a a part of the animal is proof that it really did die or that it really was torn to pieces. If you hire the neighbor's ox and it drops dead, you don't have to make good because, as I said, it was a rental. It was hired in verse 15. Now look at verse 16. If a man entices a virgin who is not betrothed, you looking at verse 16? Say amen. If a man entices a virgin who is not betrothed and lies with her, he shall surely pay the bride price. That would be dowry, folks, for her to be his wife. If her father utterly refuses to give her to him, he shall pay money according to the bride's price of virgins. You shall not permit a sorceress to live. Whoever lives with an animal or lies with an animal shall surely be put to death. That's bestiality. He who sacrifices to any God except to the Lord only, he shall 
be utterly destroyed. You shall neither mistreat a stranger nor oppress him, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Underline verse 21. I got to come back to that. You shall not afflict any widow or father's child. We just read it. If you afflict them in any way and they cried to God at all, and God says, I'm going to hear them. And I'm, my wrath is going to come and I'm going to kill you with the sword. Your wives shall be widows, your children fatherless. And if you lend money to any of circle my people who are poor among you, you shall not be like a money lender to him. You shall not charge him interest. And if you ever take your neighbor's garments as a pledge, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down for that is his only covering. It is his garment for his skin. What will he sleep in? Question. And it will be that when he cries to me, God says, I will hear. Why, saints? I'm a gracious. I'm gracious God. You shall not revile God nor curse a ruler of your people. Point number two. We're talking about principles. Here we have the principle of morality. Or moral and ceremonial principles. In other words, we just read it beginning in verse 16. If a man seduces a woman and he is essentially, according to verse 16, if you seduce a woman, you're essentially saying, I do. You're marrying that woman. Now, I think that there would be, put it this way, a, a bunch of guys would think a whole lot differently think twice about sleeping with that girl if in fact this law was still in place that when you sleep with a girl you're you're saying i'm gonna marry her you're saying i want to marry her and i'm going to marry her and if he refuses then he's going to have to pay a dowry's fee we've talked about that in the past why because listen he has taken her listen He's taken her, he's seduced her, he's enticed her, and she is no longer a virgin. Now, if the father refuses to let him marry and say, no, he's a bum, I'm not going to let him marry my daughter, then you got a whole other set of problems. Because by the time she finds a husband and he finds out she's not a virgin and not sellable, the dowry won't be as much. Now, in that culture... That's the way they did things. Ladies, I realize y'all can't relate right now. You just can't even relate. But that's the way they did things in that culture. A father would collect a dowry or some money for his daughter. But if a guy slept with her and she's no longer a virgin, well, that's going to decrease the dowry. And the dowry was used for a lot of things. It was used for maybe even the daughter's retirement later on in the event that she needed money for something. So the dowry was very, very important. It cost money in those days to give away your daughter. You would collect a dowry. Notice in verse 18 in your Bibles. This is really simple. I kind of like verse 18, actually. Look at it. You shall not permit a witch to live. Now, let's be clear about something. In our, <laughs> in our text, a witch is somebody who is practicing witchcraft not someone you say is a witch. <laughs> if you understand, wave at me, wouldn't you? Okay, cool. Some of y'all. This, this would be like a sorceress, somebody practicing evil. 
You know, there's a lot of that going on today. There's an obsession in our culture with people and the dead. Have you noticed that? And witches and talk show hosts have witches on every day. Sylvia Brown is her name. And she's the number one bestseller. And Montel has her on all the time. And she just, it's awful. The Bible says, and listen, let me just point this out to you. Because some people claim, like she claims to be like a good witch. She would be in the category of a good witch or a white witch. And then the bad witches are the black witches. (laughs) I'm going to leave that alone too. Y'all don't want to go there. But you, but you understand what I'm saying? It's true, isn't it? Have you ever heard that? I mean, good witchcraft and bad. Listen, the Bible says you don't allow them to live. And in those days, capital punishment was stoning. So there's no such thing as a good witch and a bad witch. They're all the same under rocks. They're dead. <laughs> Look. You see, there's no such thing as good with, it's all evil. Somebody say amen. Amen. It's all evil. It's just evil. There's no good witchcraft and bad witchcraft and good evil stuff and ridiculous. It's all evil. And God says, don't allow that. Remember, he loves them so much. He's like all concerned with all these little details. You know, you ever read this chapter and go, what in the world is that? You know what this chapter is about? You could, you could title this chapter, The Grace of God. God could have said, okay, I freed you out of Egypt, now you're on your own. Do your thing, live the best way you can, and hopefully you get to heaven. God didn't say, God said, look, don't, look, I'm going to help you, and I'm going to spell it out for you, so you don't mess this up. Don't let a witch live. It's not good. And don't find yourself all involved in bestiality. That's sex with animals. That's sick. And don't get involved in idolatry, verse 20. No idolatry of any kind. And look at verse 21. No mistreating of strangers. I love that because you need to remember that you were a stranger in the land. I like that because I think that describes the attitude that we are to have toward the unbelieving world. Don't forget, Christian, listen. Don't forget that you were not born a Christian. You know, so often, you know, we become a Christian. You know, God tells them don't mistreat strangers because you were one time a stranger. Christian, don't forget that you were not born a Christian. Not unless your last name is Christian. (laughs) And then you weren't born a Christian spiritually. No one was. Everybody at some point had to give their life to Christ. We were strangers away from God at some point. And, you know, oftentimes I think we become Christians and we forget. And we, well, how can they do that? Well, how can they? I find myself doing it. I have to remind myself. I'm like, how can all oh, that? Oh, man, I can't believe How can they do that? I mean, that's ridiculous. How can they live that way? How can they think that way? How can they act that way? How can they walk, talk that way? And I forget myself. Hey, I was just like that. Prior to me becoming a Christian, don't forget. You, you know, we get this holier-than-thou attitude when we become a Christian. It's like, oh, well, now I'm holy. Just all saved, sanctified, and filled and thrilled with the precious Holy Ghost, and that was far. 
It's like, wait a minute. There was a time when you weren't a Christian either. Don't get all holier than thou. Yeah, love people. Don't tolerate sin. But don't get all, you know, don't forget. God tells them, listen, don't forget about the strangers because you were a stranger in Egypt. Somebody say amen. amen. That's true. All right. Look at verse, uh, look at verse 20, 29 through 31. We do the final principle of first fruits, and then we're going to wrap it up. You shall not delay, in verse 29, to offer the first of your ripe produce and your juices. You know, in a Hebrew, you know what that is? Liquor. Yeah, that's what I thought. So don't, don't delay in offering your liquor. I didn't expect y'all to shout me down on that one. And, and amen, I'm in church and everything. <laughs> but I've been to some of y'all house. And I'm <laughs> so don't delay. <laughs> to offer in verse 29, the first, <laughs> the first of your ripe produce and your juices, the firstborn of your sons, you shall... Give to me, God says, likewise, you shall do with your oxen and your sheep in terms of giving it to God, the first one. And it shall be with its mother for oxen or sheep. Leave it with his mom for nursing for seven days. And on the eighth day, you shall give it to the Lord and you shall be holy men to me. You shall not eat meat torn by beast in the field. You shall throw it to the dogs. In other words, no eating roadkill. <laughs> Amen. So here we have, I don't have a lot of time to talk about tonight, so maybe perhaps we'll visit it next time. But uh, we have the principle of first fruits. And, uh, and of course, you know, uh, Proverbs makes me think of Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. If you're taking notes, it says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. I like that. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, you fast forward to the New Testament. Paul talks about bringing their first fruits into the storehouse on the first day of the week. The storehouse, listen, was the place of dispersing. So what we have is the idea that we are to give to the Lord and then the Lord disperses from the storehouse as he sees fit. You give to the Lord. And you let the Lord disperse it as he sees fit. You know, we've talked about giving here at Calvary, and we won't do that tonight because I don't have time. But, you know, we've talked about that, how, how we're to give to the Lord and how we should give to the Lord, how we shouldn't give to the Lord. And then what our heart is to be like once we do give to the Lord. You know, so often we want to give to the Lord and we want to tell the Lord how to spend it. And we shouldn't do that because we're giving to the Lord for God to put it in his storehouse, for God to disperse it any way he chooses. And we're to give to the Lord in secret. You know, I was talking to a pastor the other day, and he was telling me about a Calvary pastor who was telling me about this guy who wanted to give to the Lord. And he told the pastor, he said, you know, um, well, I have this check for $22,000. Where should I, who should I give it to and where should I put it? I I just thought that was awful. I thought that was awful. Because you don't want to put that in the pastor's mind. Oh, here's somebody, this big giver. 
somebody that's given a lot of money. You don't want to put that in his mind. And not only that, but you know, you know where to give it. Give it to the Lord. They got boxes on the back wall like we do. Put it in the box. People do that with me here. They come up and go, you didn't take up an offering. I go, no, you forgot to take up an offering, they said. No, I didn't forget. We don't take them. They usually are new. And, you know, you forgot to take up an offering. No, no, I didn't forget. We don't do that here. Because the box is on the back wall. If you feel led of the Lord to give, then you do so. I can tell you this. God's been faithful to this church. And we never beg or ask anybody for anything, really. We let you know what the needs are. We'll do that Sunday. We'll let you know what the needs are. If the Lord puts on your heart, great. If God doesn't, good. Because it's God's work. He's going to provide for it. God provides for his work with or without you. <laughs> you better recognize. <laughs> and I love that about God. He said he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. God has everything we need. So you don't, don't want to be blowing a trumpet when you give and, you know, oh, da 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 It's my check. You know, just good. Give a big check. Great. Praise God. That paid to the order, Rodney. R O. No. <laughs> you know, but just, you know, be careful about that. But give to the Lord and let God be the one who disperses it. And then notice in verse. 31 as I wrap it up. I like this. It says, and you shall be what? Holy. You see that? In verse 31, it says what? You shall be holy. You see that? I like that. I like that. You shall be holy. I know that's hard to think about. I know it is for me that we are to be holy and certainly we are holy. I don't really think of myself as holy. I don't wake up in the morning, look in the mirror and go, oh, there's holy Rodney. (laughs) I know you think of me that way. I don't think of me that way. God says we need to be holy. We should be holy men. What does that mean? I think three things. Would you write this down real quick? Three things. Talking about holiness, I think this kind of ties in with what we've been talking about on Sunday morning. Holiness, what is that? Holiness is something that is imputed. (laughs) Amen, saints? Because you understand that idea of accounting, reckoning, imputing. Holiness is imputed. It's credited to you because of Jesus. It's given to you because of Christ. Not only is holiness is something that is imputed, but holiness is a process. Listen, holiness is a process. Holiness not only is imputed in a process, but holiness is a direction. It's a direction. Are you headed toward the Lord? Holiness does not mean perfection. But holiness holiness is a direction. Are we moving in the direction of holiness? Youth, young person, are you moving in a direction of holiness? Are you seeking to know God better tomorrow? Are you seeking to walk with God closer tomorrow? It's a direction. It's not perfection. Because none of us are perfect. But certainly, we need to be striving for holiness. We need to be moving in the direction of God, moving toward him, headed toward him, because we want to look more like him, because we want to be more like him, because we want to be more separate for him, that he might use us. Holiness is a direction. 
every single day, along obedience in the same direction. Every day, Lord, I want to be more holy like you. As I look into the word and as I come face to face with the mirror of the word of God and in my life, I want to see where God's word convicts my heart and I want to change those areas. And I want to be more separate and be more used of you, God. Holiness is imputed. Holiness is a process and holiness is a direction. And the question we've got to ask ourselves tonight is, are we headed in that direction? You shall be holy men. The idea is, and women, men, humankind, mankind, holy men and women. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.